This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. Good night, Shabbos. Hope everyone is well. <clears throat> this week's parsha, the Torah tells us about the Shvatim, the birth of the Shvatim, the building of Shivtei Ka, the beginning of Ka Yisrael. And there's a pasuk in this week's parsha that stands out. It's very famous now. It's been turned into a song. It's really a lifestyle of a yid. The Torah tells us that when Leah has her fourth son, after having three sons previously, she names her son Yehuda. And she gives us a reason, the Torah describes the reason why she names her son Yehuda, says the Torah is, Hapam oide, es Hashem. This time I want to give thanks to Hashem. Therefore she names her son Yehuda. The question is, why now? Why now did Leah feel the motivation, the impetus, the desire to thank Hashem? Why only after the fourth son? What happened to the first three sons? So Rashi tells us, that at the fourth son, she realized she's getting more than she deserves. She realized, being that there's supposed to be 12 shvatim, the shivsteka, and there's four wives. So if you do quick mathematics, four divided by 12 means each one was going to have three sons. And now when she had her fourth son, she realized that she really is getting more than everyone else. She's luckier than everyone else, and therefore she's proclaiming her thanks to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Hashem, grateful she is to Hashem. But I saw a beautiful pshat in the name of Rav Moshe Bik in his Sefer, which really relates to the struggles that we find there in our own personal lives. Leah struggled. Leah knew. She knew. And she lived her entire life knowing that she was second fiddle to her sister Rachel. She knew that she really perhaps didn't deserve to be the main wife. And she was the second wife. She knew that in the eye of her sister Rachel, she wasn't this, the, the same level that Yaakov loved Rachel as he did Leah. And she suffered from it. She had sorrows. Then she realized, says with Moshe Bik, Hapam oides Hashem, she said, you know what? From all of that suffering, Hashem gave me a great gift. From that suffering, and because of that suffering, I merited to have more boys than everyone else. She realized that from the sorrows, from the suffering... It led to great brachas and great yeshuas. And that's what she was thanking Hashem for. She was thanking Hashem because she realized that the tsaras and light that she was experiencing were there only to build up for a future and a later time when she'll experience unbelievable gifts from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Sometimes in life, tsaras that we experience and we live through, at the moment and at the time, they look terrible. They feel horrific. And we don't realize later on they turn into perhaps the biggest brach in our life. Because of all the suffering Leah had in her life, Hashem gave her extra blessings. She gave her, He gave her an extra son more than everyone else. So instead of looking at service and just feeling depressed for ourselves and sad, we think to ourselves, who knows what will come from this? Who knows what will be produced, what will be born from the service that I'm experiencing right now? We often quote the Ramban, so powerful the Ramban. Pasik tells us a few parashiyas ago, Hashem Hashem blessed Avram Avinu with everything. In Mesechus Baba Basra, there's a machloikis, whether or not Avram Avinu had a daughter. One sheet in the Gemara says he had a daughter, her name was Bakril. And one sheet in the Gemara says, no, he never had a daughter. Asks the Ramban, so what's the great blessing if he didn't have a daughter? Writes the Ramban, sometimes in life not getting something is the biggest blessing. 
Because if Ramavina would have had this daughter, he wouldn't have had who to marry her to. He would have a real Shidduch crisis on his hands. So for Avram Avinu, the biggest bracha in the world was not getting the daughter. That produced an unbelievable bracha for Avram Avinu. I'm sure at the time Avram Avinu was disappointed. He was saddened over not having a daughter. But he realized, and at some point it became clear to him, that this was the biggest bracha in the world. Because from this situation would have only come more pain and anguish and suffering. And that's what Leah is teaching us in this Hashem, Thank you, Hashem. What I thought, what I perceived was the worst situation possible, was pain and suffering. Turned out to be the reason why I was lucky to have wonderful things happen later on in my life. And that's a Yid's attitude. When we experience suffering, we know it's suffering. But we hope and we daven and we believe that this is going to only lead to something bigger, something greater. Something more amazing than what we've had in the past. Rav Moshe Feinstein adds to the beginning of the parsha. He points out when in Yaakov Avinu is traveling, when he starts his long route, he has a dream and he tells HaKadosh Baruch Hu, after Hashem promises him everything will be good, he makes a neder that I hope everything will be good. And Rav Moshe Feinstein's bothered with the obvious question, what's the secondary neder that Moshe Avinu had to make once Hashem promised him everything was going to be good? And Rav Moshe Feinstein explains that what Yaakov wanted was not only to say, not only when bad things happen should he say, well, all that happens is good. He should realize nothing is really bad, says Rav Moshe Feinstein. Nothing is bad. Everything that Hashem does for us, although perceived as bad, is not bad. And Rav Moshe himself writes about himself. He says this is a very high level. The regular level is that something is bad and it looks bad and it smells bad, but we say it must be good. Says Rav Moshe, no, a deeper level would be that this is not bad. And he says about himself in 1980, he had a robbery in his own apartment. And he said he reached that madrego. He didn't say, oh, this is terrible, but it must be for good. He said, this can't be terrible because nothing that Hashem gives us, none of the pain and the suffering that we have in this world is bad. It's all good. And he sees it. I don't even see bad, says Rav Moshe Feinstein. So both Yaakov and Leah teach us in this expression, not a simple message. But a very hopeful message. That what at the time looks to be terrible, looks to be tsarist, looks to be heart-wrenching. We as Yidin believe, as Maminim B'nai Maminim, we believe that from this can only come good. From this is only a blessing. And we have to look at that with, our, with this new vision, with this new vision, with this new look. And it's not easy. I am not minimizing pain and suffering in the slightest. When we're in the moment, it's difficult. It looks so depressing. It looks so dark and so gloomy. But Leah and Yaakov are teaching us, and Avram Avinu as well, that we have to believe that everything Hashem does, what looks to be the worst situation, from there can come perhaps the greatest situation. So I'm going to share with me a story this week. That there was a girl in Eretz Yisrael this past summer non-from girl. And she was trying to become closer to Hashem. And she wanted to start keeping Shabbos. Now for young people in their 20s, keeping Shabbos is an unbelievable nesayan. Turning off your phone, disconnecting from social media. These are not small things for, for young millennials, so to say. But one Shabbos in the summer, she decided, that's it, I'm turning off my phone. I'm not going to have my phone on for Shabbos. And for 26 hours, 25 hours, for the entire duration of Shabbos, her phone was off. And she was proud of herself. What an accomplishment. She kept Shabbos. She turns on her phone after Shabbos, Monday Shabbos, and she hears a message. 
And basically the message told her that someone hacked her account. And because she was unable to answer the phone, the hacker was able to clean out her entire checking account. She lost everything on that Shabbos. And a girl whose emunah obviously is, is not as strong as it, as, as it was, she said, what? Look what Shabbos did to me. Shabbos cost me every penny I had. I am done with Shabbos. I never want to keep a Shabbos. I don't want to hear from Shabbos. She completely went the opposite direction, totally dejected and rejected. Torah mitzvahs didn't want to hear from it. And then came the famous, infamous October 7th, Shemini Atzeres. This girl was saving up money to go to that concert that's, that was scheduled on October 7th, Shabbos Shemini on Hashanah Rabbah and Eretz Yisrael. But unfortunately, because she lost all her money in the summer, she couldn't afford to go to the concert. And ultimately she didn't go to the concert. And she was saved. And she realized how losing her money was the biggest bracha in the world. And now she's showing material mitzvahs. Now she realized what looked like the biggest loss in the world is perhaps the biggest bracha in disguise. And that's what Leah teaches us in this week's parsha. What looks to be the worst situation, she felt Sunua Leah. Leah felt second fiddle. She felt her whole life, that her life is not worth it because she's only a second fiddle. But no, from all that pain and suffering, look what it led to. We lost a lot of Yiddish and Nishamas in the last few weeks. And, we, and every Nishama is precious. And for the family, their lives will never be the same. There's no doubt. But to see the camaraderie and the achtos that Kala Yisrael is doing right now from this terrible tzara, if we can call it a civil lining perhaps. Again, we're not minimizing the tzaras of the families and those that are in captive and those that have soldiers in the army. We are not minimizing their tzara, chas v'shalom not. But one thing that did come out from this tragedy is that the unity in Kala Yisrael is like it's never been. It's, Hamas could bring us together better than any Musa Shmuz, better than an inspirational speaker in the world. How we are so unified, how we're so together, how we're thoughtful of each other, how we care for each other, how we daven for each other. This was a terrible tsar, and it's an ongoing tsar, and we hope it comes to an end. But from this tsar, this might be our ticket out of this very long gulf. This might be the moment where we finally say, we're done. To quote Ben Shapiro, he feels that this is the most time Klaiso has been unified since perhaps Kabbalah Satayra, when we said, Ke'ishachad Belevechad. I'm not sure if he's right, but the message is still very true. It's the unity that we have right now that came about from a tragedy, from a tsara, from a horrific tsara. The one thing that we could take out of this, it's not going to replace those that have died, but at least we are unified. At least we got it together. We realized to put aside our differences and work together. Us realizing that all that Hashem does for us, somehow, some way is good. Like Leah, like Yaakov, like Avram Avinu. We should be zeichet to see only good things in our life. And this Tzari and Klai should come to a very quick end. They should not only let out some of the captives, they should let out all the captives. And we should ultimately be able to get together in Eretz Yisrael, as our, our, as our land, with the rest of Klai Yisrael, with the arrival of Mashiach, have a wonderful Shabbos.